Hey everyone, this is Laz Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys, and this Sunday's podcast is about bench woes, trade targets, and the 14 and 8 Detroit Pistons, who have a rough schedule ahead of them this week. Ryan and I talk about Stanley Johnson's struggles offensively, Joel Embiid's trash talk, and potential changes at Backup Center. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, like, and leave comments. Please leave comments on iTunes. That's the uh, best way for us to build the podcast according to what the fans want. And of course, you should also be following DetroitBadBoys.com, the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. I'm joined this evening by uh, one of our contributing writers, Ryan Provato. Ryan, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, Laz? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, I'm a little sad that Ben, uh, my usual co-host, Ben Gulker, won't be able to join us. He's off doing dad stuff, which is way more important than the Pistons, and I can't really blame him. So... Uh, ben, uh, wherever you are, we're, we're thinking about you, and we're kind of sad, but uh, yeah, we're hoping you enjoy the podcast in the future. I think he was uh, putting up his Christmas tree today. Sorry, Lastic. Oh, really? Yeah, I saw something on uh, Twitter just, uh, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes ago. So. That's a tricky. If you got a real one, that's like tough. Yeah, right. You got the, we got the fake one, and so the fake one, like you just you just like put all the, the things in the slots, and you're good. Like twenty minutes later, right. the real one, you got to like chop it down to size, like drag it in the house, vacuum up all the pine needles yeah, and stuff. It's troublesome. Yeah, I, I did that today actually too, um, but I don't have any kids, so I don't. Yeah, it's a, he has an excuse to miss this. <laughs> yeah, every built in every single time. Right. Exactly. <laughs> For the rest of his life, yeah. Yeah. Well, the uh, the Pistons looked like they were missing out in these last couple games. So uh, in the past week, they started off the week well. They beat Boston, and they uh, beat Phoenix uh, at Phoenix at home, Boston on the road. Uh, the win in Boston was a big deal. That kind of was the uh, coming out party. You had a lot of national attention for the win over this, the uh, East-leading Celtics. Uh, you got the shout-out in Zach Lowe's 10 Things column. You get uh, columns from the Ringer. Uh, a guest spot on the jump on ESPN. SB Nation did a piece. Paul Flannery at SB Nation did a couple pieces. Um, the coach Dave Dufour and the B-Ball Breakdown guys talked about the Pistons. Um, so it was a really good week for, for Pistons coverage uh, for the first half. And then this uh, Friday, Saturday, back-to-back against Washington and uh, Philadelphia didn't go so well. The Washington game was kind of interesting. Uh, they fell apart in the third quarter, and the bench didn't really play well. I think we're starting to see some of the uh, the limitations of what the bench is capable of stretched to the to this to its breaking point. It's, you do, you wouldn't think a team would miss John Luer this much, but uh, yeah, Eric Moreland's not cutting it long term. I don't think. And then the uh, the Philly game, they they fought their way back into that one, but then uh, Joel Embiid did what Joel Embiid does. He drew uh, Andre's sixth foul, and from there they just couldn't get the stops to to close it out. I was encouraged by the uh, the comeback against Philly, though. So Ryan, so we've got we got two games. We have got the the Washington game and the Philly game. We got the bench not playing great, but the starters playing well. 
and then we've got the uh, the starters bringing them back against Philly. Uh, would you rather have the starters kind of play better and uh, get their net rating positive? I know the the starting lineup right now has been playing better as of the last week, but the net rating is still negative. Or would you rather have the bench kind of maintain their like top five bench in the NBA play for the rest of the season? That's a good question. Um, I think the uh, the bench. It's gotta gotta maintain their their mojo, so to speak. I know it's gonna be tough. I don't think they can sustain being a top four or five bench in the league, but I'm. I think it all really comes down to Ish and and Luke uh, Kennard. Um, Ish Smith, I think the last four or five games, he's had a couple of decent games, but man, a couple of those games he's been pretty quiet. Um, you know, he's uh, he's great at, at driving and dishing, but uh, he's got to make shots. And uh, sometimes his, his shot selection is pretty uh, questionable, for lack of a better word. Um, and Luke's, Luke's showing signs that he's coming along. Um, he had some nice shots last night against Philly. De- defense is still a concern. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Laz, uh, we're seeing some limitations, especially from the front court. You got Tolliver. I don't think he hit anything last night, and I'm not sure. I didn't catch a lot of the Washington game, unfortunately, but I rewatched a little bit of it. But he's uh, he's been struggling a little bit, um, and of course, it really the, the Moreland lure Boban three-headed monster at center is uh, it's not really scaring anybody. I think Moreland has his kind of his niche on the team. Uh, you know, maybe good for one stint a game you know come in four or five minutes knock some people out get some rebounds set some screens um but yeah he's just a a big zero on offense for the most part um whereas lure you know has problems uh at times on defense on defense and uh his rebounding is hit or miss but you know lure if he can recapture that when, when he's healthy when he's come when he's coming back in two or three weeks whenever if he can recapture that offensive spark he can be a you know, can kind of jump up to probably the second best bench guy on the team. Uh, I think he just needs a couple good games where he's hitting some threes, uh, uh, you know, hitting some fallaways in the lane, you know, like he does, uh, like he used to. Um, that could just turn his season around and really his career around. I mean, he's kind of been in a lull here for what, what, last three months of last year, last season, and then up till this point. So I don't know. Um, the the bench is uh, it's a it's a fun bench they they really play hard um but they're they're really not that talented uh and you know up to this point um you know but ish ish is really the guy um he's got to bring a little bit more to the table and and uh you know he's just got to I mean guys got to knock down shots i mean with ish you know you look at the box score sometimes eight or 10 assists and, you know, 20, 25 minutes, it looks great. But, you know, that's because the guys are knocking down jump shots and he's finding them for on the, you know, on the fast break for easy lay-ins and easy jump jumpers. But he's got to sometimes just be a little more aggressive and get to the lane, look for himself a little bit. Uh, he has a tendency as, you know, as we all know, to kind of uh, default to that mid-range or deep two uh, shot. And it can be, it can be really bad for the, the, the team and, uh, you know, Things just spiral out of control from there, and, and Reggie's been playing great. So I don't know. I think uh, I think I'm just rambling at this point, Laz. But you can take you can take it back over. But I thought I thought I thought you were like on the on the ground, like passed out. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, Ish, I, I hear what you're saying with Ish. The you see possessions in in the bench with the bench lineups where 
you, they'll make a couple skip passes and then the ball will get to Ish at the three-point line and you see him hesitate because he's not a three-point shooter and that kind of it's that record scratch in the offense right you can see like oh this is where this is where the ball movement stops this is where okay we have to we have to reset the offense we got to bring the back the uh bring the center back out so we can run some cuts behind him and everything so there and when that happens that's okay like, that's not the end of the world but combine that with the inability of most of the bench lineup guys to create their own shot ish can get his own shot but he can't create threes and he can't really create at the rim in the half court yeah. it's not really uh he's, he's better in transition than he is in the half court i'll say that and then so if the guys aren't making shots if uh you're not if you're not getting dribble penetration and guys aren't making your shots the bench can look really bad uh, i will say though over the course of like a regular season i would think i would rather have the bench mm-hmm. play well then the starters uh, play less well, just because the having a advantageous bench is uh, such a huge thing for uh, in the grind of a regular season. You know, we see this with uh, teams like San Antonio, right? Like they can absorb almost any injury to any guy just because uh, Pop has all of those guys ready to go every single night, and so that's a, that's a huge advantage of the regular season and. Right now, the Pistons have to be they have to be focused on the regular season. Uh, it's they they played well so far, but it's not so deep in the season that you can start looking at like what playoff matchups are going to be like. And uh, yeah, Laz, the one one other guy, uh, uh, Langston Galloway. Um, yeah, earlier in the year, he was he's on fire. Really, uh, his percentages were really nice, and uh, the last half a dozen games or so, he's uh, it's. He's still shooting, and that's what he needs to do coming off the bench. But he's just not not knocking him down. Um, and with Luke, yeah, 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 he had like those he had like those two threes against OKC, and like since then, yeah, right. And last night, I think he was two for seven, two for eight. Um, it's just at, at some point you gotta you gotta give uh, Luke all his minutes because Luke's the future here. He has a he has a future here in Detroit, and Langston's kind of a rental two three year guy. You know, kind of a a bit guy. Um, he's he has his place certain times, but you know, there's uh, you can't really like you said, you can't really create his own offense. That's something Luke has already shown he can. Obviously, you know, in college, big time, but even in the pros, he's coming along and he can get in the lane and create his own shot. He's very, very uh, creative and has uh, has enough athleticism to get a shot up any any even all the way to the hoop. So. Uh, yeah, some, at some point, Stan's going to have to get a nice little tight nine-man rotation here and stick to it. Uh, maybe Bullock actually, maybe he gets another shot because he's we haven't seen. Yeah, I was just I was just going to say right because Luke is playing a lot of minutes at, at the on the wing at the three and a, in a three-guard lineup off the bench. And if you take Galloway's minutes and give them to Luke, that you know, either you're either going to a nine-man rotation where you're playing Tobias Moore at the three, or you're keeping it a ten-man rotation and inserting a guy like Reggie Bullock who hasn't hasn't played that well this, so far this season, but he's a notoriously slow starter and he missed the first five games of the year anyway and so I'm, I'm confident he'll come around uh if he if he gets the opportunity to but speaking of guys that like haven't really played well this season though stanley johnson has been kind of a mess uh, these last couple games uh he had you know positive plus minus ratings against boston and phoenix i was i wasn't really encouraged in phoenix because that was a night when they scored like 130 points everyone's feeling great and he only took four shots right like you'd like to see him be more 
you, and on one hand, you'd like to see him be more aggressive offensively, but on the other hand, he's not shooting the ball well, and he still, you know, makes mistakes in the lane and stuff. And so he you, he can still contribute to a team with his defense, but uh, you'd like to see him be better offensively. Uh, what's what's your level of like worry on a scale of one to ten with Stanley? Like, he's going to be a starter for the foreseeable future, but like, how worried are you about like his offense moving forward? It's funny you ask that because uh, I think. Uh week, week and a half ago, uh, something I wrote on DBB, I said that I, I was really happy with one of his performances. And, and, and I think it was against Boston, maybe not, but it was three for 11 or something. And I thought most of the shots he took were smart, solid uh, opportunities. He, he was in rhythm. He needed to shoot them. And you know a couple of them rimmed out. They were tough luck misses. But so now coming up to now on a string of even worse, like, I'm really worried. Like a nine out of 10, 10 out of 10. He, um, I just don't know if he's... Uh, ever going to be a decent shot maker in the league um there is going to be minutes for him no matter where he's no, no matter what type of team he's on if it's a real bad team or a really really good team like even detroit's team now he's always going to have a spot and a rotation i think because he's for the most part a smart player he uh you know he's a, a hard worker he uh, has good defensive technique he's a you know, decent rebounder for the most part i think um he makes the right pass a lot of times. He's a he's a good team offensive player when he's not shooting and missing, which is ironic. But um, I, I I'd assume you know if Andre Drummond was a little bit more of a offensive uh, pl- uh, spark, um, I, w- I would say we get what rid of uh, get away with you know playing you know, having Stanley out there playing thirty minutes a game. But you know. We need another shoot to spread things out. Uh, Reggie can can knock him down, but he's better when he's being more aggressive and kicking out. Uh, you know, Bradley's just uh, not getting it done. Um, I love Bradley. Um, I love Avery Bradley, but and Tobias is just Tobias. He's an all star basically. But we need need another consistent shooter can shoot 36 percent. You know, from three. Um, you know, knock down those other opportunities when they come and flow of offense. Yeah, Stanley's gonna unless Stanley just totally falls off the the map and can't hit a shot for the life of him he's going to be and stand uh, and uh, stands rotation for the foreseeable future but uh, yeah i think it comes back reggie bullock's probably going to get a shot for more minutes and if he if he somehow explodes and is solid and has, you know has a couple games where he's knocking down three or four from three every every game and playing his usual solid defense you, you could see reggie get a get a bunch more minutes um it's kind of split that time that's totally fair. Ten out of ten, or nine or ten out of ten. Wow, yeah. I'm I'm at like a solid like six and a half with Stanley. Uh, he's still, you know, he's still not even twenty two yet, right? There's and a lot in the way he shoots the ball. You expect a lot of uh, a lot of tough misses just because he he has touch, but the, he shoots it so flat that it has to go. It has to be straight basically for it to go in. And so you you hope that in the future. Or you know, even during the season, as he mm-hmm. you know gets his legs underneath him some more and just uh, works more on elevating, elevating through his shot. Does he shoots a lot with his arms instead of like his lower body? But I, you, everything's there, right? The form is fine. Um, the the arms are the top half of his shot's fine. Mm-hmm. It's just he's got to work on his legs and. Part of me just thinks he needs to be more confident in his shot. I know it's hard to be confident when you're not making shots, but he's got to shoot every shot like like they're going to go in, um, and he hasn't really done that. He had that he had that nice game in OKC where uh, he held Paul George to like 17 points, 
and then uh, made some threes on the other end. And like that, that's the that's the idealized version of like what Stanley Johnson can be this year. He just hasn't been that so far. And it's been and they've been like doing okay without him meeting that standard of play. I just wonder like with the with the schedule the way it is and like as tough as it's about to be in this next week, like they really need they really need uh, offensive contributions from the starting lineup in order to compete with these teams. Speaking speaking of the schedule, uh, this this uh, this week's really tough. Uh, they have at San Antonio tomorrow, which will be Monday. Uh, at Milwaukee, who is killing the West Coast right now. Uh, then they come home for uh, games against Golden State, only the defending champs, and Boston, uh, the best team in the East, looking for revenge. Ryan, how how many games should the Pistons win this week? I'm hoping they win one game. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. I'm not optimistic. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I. It depends on the day. Sometimes I'm really high on this team, and then other days I'm like, oh gosh, you know, the start was just a mirage. It's not gonna. They're gonna end up being 500 team. But I think you know we all. I think it's it's funny. The last uh, eight nine years, this team's been pretty crappy. Um, so this all the success. It's getting some people kind of so excited, and then they go down after one loss and back up after another couple of wins. I, a nice one in San Antonio, everybody will be like confident about the team again, and you know, if beat beat Milwaukee, and then you know, if you lay a dud against Golden State, nobody's really going to say much. Um, so these next four games, uh, two two and two is fine. Um, do I expect two and two? I, I don't know. Uh, ask me tomorrow and see my mood. Um, <laughs> I think you can. Most Pistons fans are similar. I mean, the, the thing that gives me a little bit of hope is like San Antonio is literally playing right now in OKC, and so they're coming off a of back to back with hopefully no Kawhi and uh, no Tony Parker. Oh no, Tony Parker's back. Um, I know Kawhi. Kawhi practiced. I think he's doing. She's. You, they had uh, pictures of him doing shoot around with the team, but uh, he's inactive tonight. So no Kawhi probably helps. Um, but at the same time, like San Antonio is just uh, a consistent juggernaut, and so it's it's tough to expect to go into San Antonio and win, even if they're coming off a of back to back. Milwaukee, uh, they they've played Milwaukee pretty tight in the in both games they've played this year, uh, but that's that's a really tough matchup for them just because their best perimeter defender is Avery Bradley, and you can't really put him on Giannis because he's too long, and he doesn't really bother Chris Middleton uh, as much as he should because Chris Middleton is also really long. And so that that's really tough. That's a really tough match, matchup for the team. I will say, though, I think the two games I'm looking at this week are the Milwaukee game and the Boston game. Uh, we, saw, or we saw earlier last week uh, in the first Boston game how this team matches up really well with Boston. Boston doesn't really have anybody that can contain Andre. Boston needed uh, an offensive explosion from three from Marcus Smart to even be in the game in the first place. Um, so that won't happen again. Yeah, exactly. So, I'll, but you know, Kyrie had a bad game. Al Horford was wasn't as aggressive as he's been in the past, and so there there are reasons to think Boston will play differently, if not better, than they played uh, last week. But at the same time, you could still envision all the ways in which Detroit is a difficult matchup for them. And so those those are the two games I'm really looking at. Uh, I hope the uh, the Pistons start putting butts in seats for the. Uh, I expect there be butts in seats for Golden State. Everybody wants to see Steph Curry and KD and, and the Warriors, but good um, competing hard against the Warriors in Boston, I think, will leave a a good a good taste in fans' mouths for sure. And coming out strong in the first quarter, and you know, it's not it doesn't guarantee anything, but it, it'll it'll you know. It's tough when you're a fan and, uh, you know, it's early in the second quarter and your team's down 15. It's like, oh, really? Already? 
Uh, it seems like Detroit does that all too often. And you're not going to come back usually against teams of Boston and Golden State's caliber when you're down that much that early. I mean, starters got to come out. Reggie's got to be aggressive. Tobias is Tobias. I keep saying that, but you know they they got to get their their guys their shots. Um, they just got to compete on defense. Don't worry about the fouls. I think the team, for the most part, is pretty deep. We don't have to be one of those teams that just kind of carousel into the you know near the basket and just lets teams have their way. I mean, not, and I feel like sometimes Detroit will. Uh, I don't know. The, the mindset, the defensive mindset isn't there. Uh, it, it, they, they think they can flip the switch quarter by quarter um, and things like that. And sometimes it takes uh, an Eric Moreland to come in and whack some guys, and then, then the team starts playing well again on defense. Um, at least that's I noticed that a few, a few weeks ago in some games. Um, but, yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think the Denver game's an interesting one too. Um, that could be a you – know, you talked about the next four games, and then Denver's a fifth. You know, let's say Detroit's two and two in these next four, and then, you know, they wanna they wanna kind of end the road trip on a uh, end the homestand on a on a, on a good note. Uh, you know, Denver's a, a kind of one of those Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde teams, I guess. Um, well, they've been yeah. they've been injured a little bit too, right? Like no Jokic, um, Wilson Chandler has had uh, consistent back troubles, and so without him, they don't really have any uh, wing players. They have a bunch of small uh, shooting guards and a bunch of power forwards, but no nobody in between. And so without Jokic, like their lineup doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And so I understand like why they've been struggling a bit uh, as of late. Yeah, I think they're uh, they're hanging around five hundred maybe. Um, but yeah, they're one of those teams. They they can get hot. They can beat you, beat anybody. But yeah, as you said, they're they're having some injury issues. Um, but those were it's a game at home, and you know it's not like Detroit plays that the 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 previous night they, they have a day off. I mean, all these games coming up here, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, they got there's no back back. So you know, Detroit should be able to put out a, a good effort and uh, on the defensive end, make teams work for their opportunities, um, and uh, you know see what happens. I mean. If if Detroit has <laughs> what what would your feeling be if they're in these next five they're one and four um, the Pistons you know only get a win out of these next five what's uh, is it going to be like the world is ending feeling here or what are you going to be feeling like so they they're on they were on like a fifty six win pace right and we knew at the beginning of the year this wasn't a fifty six win team uh, if they went one and five or one and four they would be what fifteen and twelve. So that'd be like a 46, 47 win pace. Yeah, I think that's I think that's about where this team is at actually. And so that wouldn't I'd be obviously disappointed. Uh, I don't think that this is a rough stretch, but you you shouldn't look to win only one out of five games. But at the same time, like no, I don't I don't think the ceiling's falling in or anything. Um, I will say though that to the that wouldn't that wouldn't position them pretty well in the East, right? Like uh, Indiana's still playing well. Uh, Miami is playing better of late. Uh, Orlando just beat the Knicks, who are and both of those teams are surprising or better than I think a lot of people thought they would be. And so uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't like to win or I wouldn't like to lose a bunch of games in a row just to fall back into like the lower parts of the conference. Oh yeah, the Cavs. The Cavs have won like eleven straight, and so like they're they're returning to where they are, and so. Uh, the, the equilibrium of the conference is kind of playing out the way we thought it was, and so you you kind of need to bank those wins. Still, uh, we have we have a bunch of wins already, but you need to you need to keep winning to to keep your head above water in the East. 
Yeah, but you were, you, what oh, were you going to say um, about uh, about the the record? Oh, no, no, I, I was just kind of want, want to throw it to you. I mean, get get your feeling. I mean, obviously the the the, the ceiling's not going to give in. Um, you know, they could reel off four or five in against some some of these weak teams after this these next five, and you know they're right back up seven, six, seven above five hundred, and everybody's feeling good. That's that that could happen. It's probably going to happen. Um, but I think it's more about their effort and how they lose these games. If they're losing, you know, if they lose against Boston and Golden State and even uh, Milwaukee and it's a one possession game, two possession game, and you feel like their effort is, is supposed to be where it's at, then you can kind of, you can take it. You can just look, be like, okay, it's a long season. This is NBA. There's a lot of 50, 50 games. It's going to happen. You're, you're not, they're not going to win 60 games, 65 games. It's just, they just don't have that type of roster, but I do think they're, they could win 50 games or even more. Um, and you know, I, I say that and then I realize the numbers that would be mean they'd have to be at least 18 games over 500. And, you know, I, I was coming in this season, I was thinking if they went 41, 42, that'd be awesome. <laughs> but the, the way they've played and, you know, the way their offense really gels at times and, you know, they do, they do seem to be, the numbers might not always sh- uh, show it across the board, but their, their defense, they're, you know, Andre's a little more focused and, you know, Avery obviously uh, helps the team's intensity, but. Yeah, the way the way they win games like doesn't feel unsustainable, right? Like they win games by uh, defending really well throughout the most of the game, and then um, in the in the fourth quarter they switch the offense from the motion offense to the pick and roll uh, based attack from the two years ago, and then that's how they close teams out. Like that that seems like that that seems like that should work, but at the same time. Uh, you know, we didn't expect this team to be more than a 50-win team going into the season. And so if they stop playing at the level of a 55-win team, I don't think that's that's cause for alarm. I think that's uh, just, you know, water finding, finding its level. I mean, you're, like you were saying, though, there is there is light at the end of this tunnel, right? Like after this tough stretch, um, after the game against Boston, they played Denver at home, and then they have uh, Atlanta and Indiana, uh, both away games on a back-to-back. You should win that game in Atlanta, and that Indiana game is probably like a 50-50 game. Um, after that, they have Orlando at home. Orlando is uh, has progressed a lot from the beginning of the season. Then you have Dallas on the road. Dallas is a bad team. Uh, you have the Knicks at home. The Knicks are, uh, are are winning games, but I think it's hard to argue that the Knicks are a good team. And you play you play Indiana again. You play Orlando again. Like these are teams that were you after this rough stretch. You face a lot of teams that were expected to be in the lower half of the Eastern Conference. And so if you are a team that has the expectations and if you are as good as you think you are, you need to win these games. And so, you know, after a rough stretch where maybe they don't win as many games that they'd like, they can win a, a bunch of games in a row and be right back to where they were. Yeah, and then in some ways, the, I hate to bring up the Lions, but uh, <laughs> they, 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 need to, they need to do that. I mean, the Lions are good being teams they should uh, until today. And then... You know the Pistons up until this point, they're for the most part they're they're beating all, all those bad teams uh, or teams that aren't just up to their level and they're taking care of them pretty easily. So yeah, if they do that, it's going to be a it's going to be an enjoyable season for everybody. I just think you know the the way they've beaten some of these good teams, it's just like oh maybe maybe this team is a lot a lot a lot better than all of us thought, and you know they should they should be able to sustain it. You know, still got a lot of games left, so it's it's going to be interesting in a month month and a half from now where where they're at it could be it could be anywhere really they could they could improve on the record by four or five games or they could be you know below 500 we just you know hopefully everybody stays healthy but we just don't know what's going to happen it's uh kind of one of the joys joys of that long season and it's one of the pitfalls as well 
Yeah. I mean, they haven't even played like teams. They haven't even played like Chicago yet, right? Chicago's a, a division opponent, and they haven't. Uh, Chicago's one of the worst teams in the league. They haven't even played them yet. Uh, they haven't played Brooklyn yet. Brooklyn's not a great team. Uh, they lost to the Lakers, but the Lakers look better. And they they beaten teams like the Suns. You know, like they there haven't been a lot of cupcakes on uh, on the Pistons' schedule so far. And so, like, if they look like they look like a really good team, and so backloading their some of their uh, games to to be a little bit easier on the uh, on the back end of the season, I think will help them uh, for the playoff push. Yeah, and also the Toronto. I mean, Toronto's a good team. I think they're third now in the East. Um, I think. I don't know if we play them three times or Detroit plays them three or four times this year, but um, those it's going to be interesting to see how they match up with Toronto. I think usually uh, Valanciunas um, usually has a better hand against Drummond, but you know the year is different and Drummond's a better player. Maybe that would change, and maybe that changes Detroit's luck against Toronto. Um, you know they, they do seem to be a tough matchup, uh, but that'll give give everybody. I don't know. Shoot, when do they play Toronto? Uh, they don't play them uh, for the whole month. Yeah, so I guess in the new year we'll we'll be playing them a bunch, but that's another team that might might be battling for for maybe a four four seed, for for example. So um, that that'll be unfortunately we haven't played them yet. Uh, schedule makers decided to put all those games in the last couple months, but that's uh, that's kind of one team I'm very curious about. See how Detroit can uh, can uh, do against them. I feel like uh, Toronto and Washington are the two teams where. Detroit has not played those teams well in the past, and so uh, I'm always curious to see how those how those games look. They've already lost two games against Washington, so I can't. I can't, it look, they look about the same. Um, Andre just has trouble with uh, with Bradley Beal and the pick and roll coverage. Um, the first game they play against Toronto is January 17th, and it's at Toronto. So you still you still got a little chunk of change before uh, before they play Toronto, and you can worry about that. Yeah, I'll definitely worry about that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So last little bit of news. Uh, John Lohr is seeing a doctor in San Antonio today for a second opinion on his ankle. Uh, if, if I recall correctly, um, the initial diagnosis for his ankle was that uh, he would be out for two to three weeks. That was approximately four and a half weeks ago. Uh, so you dump another two to four weeks for the recovery on his ankle onto uh, what he's already missed. And all of a sudden this is a, uh, a four to six week or a six to eight week injury on the ankle, which is uh, which is a little weird, a little weird for a non-surgical injury, but you know, that's, that's okay. Um, he's, I know we, we talk a lot about John Lure on this podcast um, and we talk about him a lot for a guy who uh, didn't really contribute when he was playing and uh, you know, finished the year disappointingly, but he does seem like a really big cog uh, in this Pistons machine. Um, SVG had to break out Boban against uh, for the last two games, just because Eric Moreland wasn't playing well. Um, how, how concerned do you think uh, SVG is with uh, the backup center spot? How concerned? Um, I think he's. We can do. We can do scale. We can do yeah, scale okay. one to ten again. <laughs> Am I that predictable? Okay. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm. Um, I think he's a uh, eh, five or six out of a ten. Um, I think Stan's probably thinking about it more now. Um, because they're having struggles. He's thinking, okay, what, what what can we do to improve our our, our our rotation and what you know what little pushes here and there can we do to kind of tweak things? I guess. Um, that's really the only spot that's real really struggling. Um, but I don't know. I think Boban's a lost cause. Not, it's not nothing Boban, not Boban's fault necessarily. It's just the, the way the league is. Um, 
but yeah, Lure, he's a, he's kind of an X factor on this team. He can, I know a lot of people are sour on him. Um, and he did look really bad there early in the year, just uh, missing a lot of shots that he would, was making early in his career. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I remember being a big fan of uh, John's when he was at Wisconsin. I mean, last year, big 10 guy too. Um, you know, Lure was a, a good shot maker in the college score from anywhere really. Um, and, and, you know, this, this year he's just, couldn't couldn't hit uh, hit the broadside of a bar in most games, um, so yeah, you got to feel like Stanley Gundy's thinking, okay, there's uh, comes back, he plays decent, all right, we have something there. But if he doesn't, if he's still stinking up the joint, then you know a trade might be on the horizon in a, in a month or two. Um, I don't really know if Detroit can make that happen. Um, we're kind of tied up with Boban here a little bit, uh, but you know I, I do think Eric Moreland is uh, a guy that still has some. It hasn't reached his full potential in the NBA. Um, I do like his energy. He tries to block a lot of shots. I mean, sometimes it's uh, comical and comes up short, but um, he's a he's a type of guy that's easy to root for. And I think uh, Stan realizes this and practices and preseason. Eric, you know, is, is really just ups the team's effort by you know, by just being out there and uh, you know, kind of being a presence back there, but. You know, I think if the team was winning, Stan wouldn't uh, wouldn't be worrying about this. But it's it's good that he's worrying about this because you, in a long season, you always got to be looking for how how can you improve just a little bit because other teams are looking at that too, trying to see different ways about how they can improve. You got to keep keep up with them, um, you know. But at at the end of the day, we we all miss Aaron Baines. I think um, we took him for granted. I did. I don't know. Uh, I know some DBB writers didn't. They 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 really. They they cherished him and that's great. I I didn't. I kind of was always saying, you know, Baines is a nice regular season backup center, but in the playoffs he's kind of not going to be a factor. Uh, I I think I'm probably wrong about that because he's probably going to play a lot of minutes for Boston and probably have a lot of nice games, um, be integral in their 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 postseason run. But man, if he was on this team, that would be that would really solidify things. But you know, I don't know. Are there any players that you're kind of Last that you're kind of looking around that might not fit with their teams that maybe Detroit can grab or you know, maybe that team will wave them that wave that backup center and maybe Detroit you know if they have a you know make some moves on the roster can grab them. Um, there's a couple guys I'm kind of been looking at a little bit, but um, I don't know if they're even really going to ever be on the market. But well, something that. Yeah, so there's there's one guy I think in particular, and that's an internal guy. I know Stan Stan would never do this because he's a defensive orientated coach. You know, everything he does is uh, revolved around the principle of defense first. But if the if the bench is having trouble scoring, I don't see why you wouldn't at least consider like Henry Ellenson at center for some of those minutes. You know, and just play play five out. Uh, you know, spread the floor with everybody. Give. Uh, Give Luke Kennard driving lanes, you know. Give Ish Smith the better driving lanes in the half court, um, or you know, if you run the motion offense through Henry, he's a better shooter than anybody else that they would be playing at that center spot, not named John Luer. And so you can, you if you run the offense through him at the top, you know, he can shoot that eighteen footer. He can shoot if you uh, if you back it out to three, he can he can pass from that range and he can shoot from that range as well. Uh, I would I would be interested to see like how that 
that looked. Um, Stan would never do it because they would get killed defensively, and he would hate that. Uh, for much of the same reason that you know Boban isn't playing, and I think you you hit the nail, nail in the head with your Boban analysis. And I've talked about this enough, but yeah, just Boban's just not where this league is going. It's unfortunate because he's a really talented player. He's too he's too good to be a, a victory cigar kind of guy, but that's what he's ended up being on the Pistons, and it's kind of unfortunate. But yeah, Henry Ellenson at center. I would like to see how that looks. Yeah, that's uh, you know Stan might. Yeah, like you said, he probably is ninety nine percent sure. Probably not going to try that, but it would be very. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure he's thought about it. And then you know, a minute passed, and he's like, "Okay, never again. I'm never going to think about that again." <laughs> but uh, you know, he might do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. As for as for other like backup centers around the league, though. I hadn't really thought about that. Uh, the Pistons don't really have a lot of financial flexibility. Um, any trade they'd make, you'd uh, you'd be trying to like offload Boban or um, offload John Luer. Like those are the two big contracts left on this team, and uh, both of those guys make more than five million for the next two years. I think Boban's for the next two years, and John's for the next three. And so, getting teams to eat that kind of long term money is not uh, not usually what happens in trades for backup centers and so you know maybe maybe there's a guy in the buyout market um like an andrew bogut type not andrew bogut himself but like a guy like that uh in the future i don't but yeah i don't really i don't really see anything out there on the open market for them but i also haven't really looked um that's, that wouldn't be a half decent post um if i had the time late, uh, later this week just what kind of backup center options yeah would be available yeah we need we need more you're writing on the site uh last year on a we need you more. Uh, I know you edit it, a great editor, but we need more writing too. Times uh, we need more uh, voices out there. I mean, you know, I go psycho in the comments sometimes, but uh, I, I, we need more uh, reasonable people writing posts. Uh, I appreciate um, but that. One Ryan. guy. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to earn some brownie points here. Uh, no, so I can be back on the podcast. I'm kidding. Yeah, that's how you get invited um, but, back. You compliment the the host. Yeah, yeah. I tried to comment uh, two weeks ago, Ben. I tried to. He's very nice to Ben, and uh, I think it worked uh, to some degree. But anyway, um, Kyle Quinn, I think, is one guy. I, I know. I think the time has passed, and um, I think he's New York's liking him. He's uh, playing a lot more uh, consistent minutes. He's a perfect backup center for 15, 20 minutes a game tops. Um, he does a little bit of everything. He's a shot blocker. He can hit a jump shot, occasionally hit a three. Uh, not a great rebounder, but he battles usually. I think that time has passed. I think two years ago he was kind of on the market, uh, and uh, you know didn't it didn't happen. Um, so yeah, and plus New York's a competitor. I don't think they're gonna. There's not gonna be any swapping of backup centers because, uh, like you said, uh, you know nobody wants Boban and uh, Lore is making a lot of money um, as well. So that's one guy though, Quinn. You never know. Um, you know, I'll uh, I'll keep some track of some other guys. Continue to see how they're doing. Um, yeah, yeah, it might just be a thing where you got to just roll with Moreland and, and Lure. Just, uh, you know, totally different players, but eventually one of them's got to be, like, at least somewhat decent. Uh, and, and Moreland, I think, I don't know if you agree, Laz. I, I don't know. Um, I think uh, DBB is kind of split, at least from what I read in the comments and on Twitter. Um, you know, split on Moreland. I mean, um, he's, he's doing a decent job. Uh, he's a good rebounder, I think. Um you know, defensively, sometimes he misses some, uh, some. Uh, he's just not in the right place. But uh, he he does seem to give the team a lift. Um, but it's, it's just uh, on offense, he's just such a. He's. Yeah, he's good. At, he's good at doing what you what you're asking him to do, which is like play defensive rebound. 
but he's so limited offensively. I think that having um, a a better piece in that spot would be a lift for the bench on that end of the court. Um, I, I'm of two minds about Moreland. You see, sometimes he like won't even finish alley oops, or you see him get offensive rebounds and not even think to look to put the ball back. And you're like, come on, man! Like, wh- what are you doing? But then you see, like, uh, he in those uh, in the fourth quarter against Boston, yep. he had two really nice hustle plays uh, for offensive rebounds that kind of turned it turned uh, the tide a little bit for the Pistons. It's like, okay, you you see why Stan likes him and why Stan plays him, and so I get it. I just uh, I wish there were better and options. One more other guy. Sorry, Les. The the Tolliver. I mean, in certain spots, I mean, if you had Tobias at the four and and whoever at the three, Stanley, I guess you could for a minute. I mean, I think Stan's done it here and there, very you know seldom, but you know have Tolliver at the five. Um, you can you know it's five shooters basically um, on the court, and Tolliver's a, a willing defender. He's not great at on defense but he's very willing and sometimes that comes out in his favor he's you know active hands and he's, he's got good technique usually um and, and so yeah if he's if he's hitting jump shots and, and there's a certain matchup they could go for go to that for three four or five minutes in a second half and it really would work for them have drummond get his rest and then you know bring him back for the majority of the fourth quarter but i don't know if that's uh yeah that's a look I would consider but in very small doses, right? In extremely small doses, like two minutes at a time, just because asking AT to guard centers for an extended period of time sounds like a, a bad idea. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's the kind of lineup where you're hoping they go on like a really quick 8-0 run and the other, other team calls timeout and then you can get Andre back in, you know? Yeah, that's, uh Yeah. Yeah, maybe two. Yeah, three minutes at, at the most, and uh, get you know get some guys open for some threes. Yeah, like I said, yeah, like I said, eight, nine, ten will run. Um, you know, I guess it all matters. It depends on the matchup, and you know, Tolliver's been hitting that game. If he's you know in the flow, seems like he's confident. I mean, I guess Tolliver never really isn't confident. <laughs> the way he sometimes he'll get the ball in the break and you know in a sweet spot, and he'll just jack it up, and it's like he's not even set. But you know, sometimes he's knocking him down. Um, so it's something that they need to look at because they don't really have anybody in the front court like Tolliver. Um, you know, I thought Lure could be somewhat like that, just uh, but you know, obviously the, the three-point shooting for Lure has just kind of gone down, gone, falling off a cliff. So I don't know if we'll ever get it back. But yeah, I, I just want when Lure comes back in uh, two to four weeks, I just want him to be more confident. You know, I want him to look to take those threes that he was making earlier in his career. Um, earlier in this season, you see him, you saw him like taking steps in to shoot 15 footers instead, and that's kind of kills the the spacing of the offense. And so, I don't, I don't want that definitely. But uh, yeah, so that kind of that kind of does it. That kind of wraps up everything I was looking to talk about. Uh, what's the what's the best way for the people to to get in contact with you, Ryan? I know you're uh, you're a pretty active uh, member of the DBB boards. So uh, if they want, they can yell at you in the comments. But uh, if they want to take it outside the comments, sometimes I yell at them and I regret it. So I'm sure all of them are nice guys. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but no, um, yeah, the DBB is the best. I mean, I, I I occasionally use Twitter a lot. Um, I just usually retweet things. You know, um, I don't really do too much on Twitter. But yeah, the my uh, my little handle there is uh, what is it? It's R P R A V A T O. It's just basically my uh, first name, uh, first initial, and then my last name. Um, yeah, they can follow me there. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll always be lurking on DBB. Sometimes I'll uh, I'll respond and uh, you know be an ass, um, but other times I'll be civil. So yeah. 
I mean, you seem like a pretty civil guy overall. Just, you know, it's easy to get frustrated. Yeah, I think the Bede and Drummond thing a uh, month or so ago when... Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that was frustrating. frustrating. I, think, uh, I think I've kind of taken a step back and realized that the gap isn't as big as I thought because Drummond does a lot does a lot of things that Embiid isn't good at. Uh, Drummond's, you know, I think Drummond's basketball IQ is actually better than I give him credit for, and a lot of that has to do with Drummond, but also the, the, the way that Sam and Gundy's kind of developed this offense and used Drummond out top more and used Drummond's uh, decent passing skills to for the team's advantage. But um, but I'm really loving this Embiid Drummond talk. It's it's fun. Uh, I guess we, you know, I, th- I think earlier in the career and in, in Drummond's career, I think a lot of Pistons fans were kind of like, "Oh, Drummond's kind of a, kind of a, for lack of a better word, an ass, kind of a, a, a smart ass, a jerk, whatever." Um, but now I think seeing that, oh man, there's nothing compared to Embiid. I mean, Embiid, what has Embiid done? He's done nothing. He's been injured most of his career. Obviously, he's more talented overall than Drummond. There's no question about that. Um, however, the efficiency, I'm getting, beginning to see that Joel's uh, efficiency is uh, not great. Um, and, and Drummond's is vastly improving for the most part. So I don't know. It's, uh, it's it's great for the league. I think both guys actually are buddies. They just kind of play play it play it out on, on Twitter and, and the media to kind of say like, oh, this guy's trash and oh, this guy's actually trash. Uh, so it's, it's fun, fun for the fans. It gives us something to, to bicker about, I guess. Um, but yeah, the worst fan base in the league, I think, is Philadelphia's. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be shy about that. They're a bunch of, uh, I don't know, jerk heads, I guess. But um, but yeah, I, I actually know a a Philadelphia fan, uh, quite a good friend. Um, and uh, you know, he's he's one of the the more the civil, level-headed fans. So anytime I try to group of all the fans in one category. I have to, I have to remember, Oh, I, I know one guy who's uh, level headed. Um, <laughs> so I have to remind myself, I can't, uh, can't generalize, generalize too much, but yeah, I know it's, it's, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And B definitely seems like a, like a wrestling heel, you know, like a guy who incites the crowd yeah. just to, just to get after it. Um, and, but he seems like he kind of feeds off that and, you know, the, the, having that kind of personality, I'm sure is good for a guy who, uh, has you know has played as much basketball as he has, which is to say, not as much as he probably should have. Yeah, he's an entertainer, that's for sure. I mean, if he wasn't a, a good basketball player, he'd be doing something, and he'd be famous and making a lot of money and uh, getting a lot of attention. Um, he has a good personality too. I don't mean to like, I don't mean to squash the guy. He's a, I think he's a good guy. He's just kind of, uh, it's like that uh, middle schooler on the on the basketball team who thinks he's hot shit and. Uh, you know, he might be decent, but he's got to be like, okay, you wait for your time, buddy. Your your team's, you know, been horrible for the last four years. Prove it for a year, and then you can talk, all right? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. All right. So, uh, Pistons fans for Philly hate, you can uh, follow Ryan on Twitter. For uh, for Detroit love and uh, DBB posts, you can follow me on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at L A Z C H A N C E. Uh, I'm Lazarus Jackson, uh, and we'll talk to you next week.